Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your favorite sports podcast, the Off the Dome Sports Podcast, where this time, too, sports lovers give their hot takes off the dome. dome. I am Mustang. I'm Rebo Hustle. We are without Redfish tonight, but I think we'll be all right. Bars. Bars. Um, you know, just like always, huge shout out. I got this. I know. <laughs> You're good. Huge shout out to the No. Uh, that's spelled the correct and only way K N E A U X. Huge shout out to them for bringing us within their, their loop, keeping us in their inner circle, just helping us do what we love for you guys. Now, plenty of things to talk about today. Um, hell of a weekend for sports fans. But I think we'll start off with something that's recent in our minds. The LSU Tigers, college football. Yesterday. Get the win in Tampa in the ReliaQuest Bowl, formerly known as the Outback Bowl, over Wisconsin. How'd you feel about that game? Boy, was it not pretty. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but... Uh, I think it's kind of poetic. The game ended with three sacks after defensive line really struggled early in that game. Um, it was really hard to watch in the first half because when Wisconsin decided they wanted to run the ball, our defensive linemen were behind our linebackers. Um, but saw a great game statistically out of Nuss. First half he had a couple of little jitters, I guess, overthrowing Brian Thomas on the sideline for a walk-in touchdown. Overthrowing uh, Mike Hilton. Is that his name? Yeah. Chris Hilton. That's his name. Chris, yes. Overthrowing Chris Hilton also for a walk-in touchdown. Um, but all in all, 395 yards and three touchdowns. Only one pick on a Hail Mary at the end of the half, if we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> ghost stat. Yeah. I mean, you saw great things out of him. Um, we saw five different running backs six if you're counting the Harold Perkins one-yard touchdown run. <laughs> Count it. You better. <laughs> um, honestly, couldn't expect anything more out of the offense. You get you get a full game's tape worth of Garrett Nussmeyer to critique over the offseason, get him 1% better every week during the offseason, be in great shape uh, next season. We also got to see the combination of Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton as co-OCs for this game. Um, how did you feel about the co-OC situation? So, um, you know, like we had talked about earlier today and even just before we started this, it, it wasn't, and I feel like I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say this, but it wasn't what we were expecting, right? And that does come with a quarterback change, so yeah, but it's still a very powerful offense. Like, I mean, you see what we can do. I think that, you know, once the gears got turned in, they met at halftime, talked some things through, changed up the game plan a little bit, worked a lot better. Like, the first half and second half team, completely different teams. Um, and that's expected when you have a lot of these changes. And that's why I think it's a good thing to get a bunch of new faces in, like, a bowl game or something like that towards the end of the year. Games that, you know, they mean 
of course it's a bowl game it means a lot but in the grand scheme of things it's no college football playoff it's no rose bowl it's no natty yeah. it's still a win but um i did like what i saw like like i said halfway through the game second half of the game completely different team they looked like they had a lot of passion that they were more comfortable back there but on the defensive side of things <laughs> yeah things have to change and i'm not talking personnel i mean obviously <laughs> secondary personnel should change <laughs> for the most part um andre sam played you know as we're used to seeing him also f- fifth year senior he's yeah. he's gone he's gone um but you know who we like to see who we didn't get to see that much of in the regular season this year number 40 Whit weeks oh yeah hell of a game from him <clears throat> definitely looking forward to seeing more of him you know who i'm not looking forward to seeing Sage Ryan. Matt House. Okay. (laughs) Well, he did seem like the target yesterday, but yes, I am also not looking forward to seeing Matt House anymore. Um, Honestly, we should see some kind of coaching changes or firing or anything like that in this coming week. Um, Matt Moscona is normally pretty on it when it comes to things like coaching changes, and he says expect no no less than two defensive staff changes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it felt like watch, like watching the game felt like you had two defensive players every play. Major Burns and Whit Weeks had their nose on the football every play. Every play. Um, yeah, their stats probably mirror that. Yeah, Major Burns led the team with nine tackles and four assisted. Crazy. Yeah, I – it's it's hard to say that this team would have even been close to winning this game if it wasn't for how great Major Burns played. Um, another kind of quiet game out of Harold Perkins that you've kind of come to expect this year. Um, I I I'm still blaming that on uh, Matt House. Yeah, the, just usage our, of our super villain. Yeah, <clears throat> turned one of the best all around linebackers. Into strictly yeah. an edge rusher. Well, this year's season, he's strictly a dime. Yeah, that. <laughs> he, I guess because the only time I ever noticed him was when he was coming off the edge. Yeah. But, like, you, I mean, last year you saw him covering wide receivers with what looked like ease. Yeah. Like batting down passes 20 yards down the field, spying on the quarterback. The greatest the spy in college football last year. And we just completely threw that at the window said you're gonna do this instead (laughs) but uh yeah uh definitely some coaching changes i hope to see in the future and offensive coordinator to me uh you know coming into this game i felt like that you know sloan was gonna they were gonna look really good and they were gonna stick with sloan now could be in question kind of could lean either way whether they stay in house or you know hire an outside guy but you know, I was was not expecting um, such a good game from Nussmeier. Oh, me neither. I didn't. I mean, like, you know, I'm not saying I expect him to play bad, but almost 400 yards and three touchdowns, not counting the pick, because like you know, like we said, it was a hail mary, and they just so happened to come down with it. He was kind of just throwing it up and hoping. Yeah, I mean, like a hail mary. It's your first. It's your first start. You're down by seven. 
with like 30 seconds left. You're just trying to move the ball. You're not even thinking. Um, but yeah, it's just it's your it's his first start throwing 395. It's yeah against a very good defense. Very good defense. Wisconsin's n- not anybody to roll over. I mean, yeah, they only they think they're seven and seven on the season because of the loss in this bowl game, and but that was mostly because their offense struggled all year. So I mean, Nuss Nuss had a great game. It's undeniable. Also. The offensive line had an amazing game. They had zero sacks on the day. Against, once again, a really good Wisconsin defense, especially, you know, their front seven. Yeah, Yeah. because they were bringing pressure. Five or six people looks like almost every time. And Nuss just stayed in there, composed, and delivered sometimes. In the second half, he did. First half, you could tell he had those those jitters because he was just overthrowing people just barely just barely missing those passes and in the first half it was you know <laughs> to me it really it looked like we were running the ball for a good bit or we were throwing a touchdown yep. those were our two options and uh, you know in the second half looked like a more methodical offense looked like he was able to pick apart those defenses get down the field but all in all liked what I saw didn't expect it to be this high scoring Oh no! I mean, for LSU to win the game, it had to have been this high. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't expect a Nussmeyer-led offense in his first ever game starting to put up 35 points. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. There's no defensive touchdowns on the day, and yeah, I mean, without question, Nussmeyer had an amazing game, and I'm looking forward to the next season with him at the helm, or at least him battling for the spot. Yeah, give him a chance. And we'll see. I believe you want to talk about some uh, oh, yeah. new faces. So, I mean, this game marked the end of a couple guys' uh, careers in the in the purple and gold. Brian Thomas, his last game, almost 100 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Malik Neighbors played just long enough to break the record. Uh, for receiving yards, he's now in the LSU history books as the number one person for receiving yards and receptions. Um, also, Makai Wingo declared for the draft directly after the game. The Mason Smith, Smith might be going to the draft. He may not. He may return. Um, and you're also losing your center and Charles Turner for Sure, it's his fifth year, um, and Josh Williams also in his fifth year. But you have guys. Well, on December thirty first, right before the new year hit, you had one of the best flips in LSU history. Huge, number one player in Louisiana out of Acadiana, Dominic McKinley, a defensive tackle. He's five five two eighty six five. Yeah, that's what I meant. Six five two eight. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, he's six five two eight. He I I watched his highlights just to get a feel for who he is. Being defensive tackle is gonna be a real big question mark next year, especially if Mason Smith uh declares for the draft. Um he it feels like he's playing Madden. Every screen pass, he's reading the guard turning and the first 45 seconds of his highlight tape is five pick sixes <laughs> off of screen passes. 
I mean, you love to see that, <laughs> but uh, I, I now correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't expect to see that in college. Oh, me either. <laughs> but at least you know that he's watching film. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's expecting that. He's got he's got football IQ. Yeah. If he's being able to read that play as it's happening and still get to it in time, not only to tackle you know the running back or receiver that's catching it, but to get there before he does. Get don't get the me ball wrong. Before he does. The last six minutes of his highlight tape, crazy penetrator, crazy run stopper, and I think they had like a a sweep going the other way. He called the guy at the opposite forty, like and not giving up on the play, and that's crazy to see out of a five star. I mean, you always see those guys just. I'm here to just make a highlight, basically, and to see him hustle like that and catch a running back thirty yards down the field, pretty impressive. Especially at the D tackle position. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's that was huge. And that's that's all I got on, on LSU so far. Good. Um yeah, we'll definitely be uh you know, as things turn out, as things come to us, we'll bring them to you via the best podcast in the nation. We'll touch on the coaching changes, but from here on out, I'm probably just talking about LSU baseball. Yeah. There will be a lot of LSU baseball. Uh, of course, you know, NFL playoffs going to be coming up. Um, and, you know, college football national championship will be next week. We'll probably, you know, it'll be, I think it's a week from yesterday. It'll be on the 8th. So on the 9th should be our next podcast. We'll definitely touch on that. Um, but, you know, going into it, you see Alabama lose to Michigan. Kind of, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to be going to be a close game. In fact, Alabama was the underdog by like four and a half points coming into the game, which was unexpected for me. Yeah, I I picked both losers yesterday. As did I. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a Bama Texas national championship game. Yeah, which one hell of a rematch. Yeah, but I mean, we I, I believe that we've se- we saw yesterday the two. Like together, the best college football semifinals we've seen ever. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, both games are super competitive. Came down to the last couple drives. I mean, the Bama the game, last play the in Bama both game games. Went to, yeah, Bama game went to overtime. Texas was driving at the end of the game to try to tie it, or to try to win the game by three. One second left with like a ten yards to the end zone. Yeah, he had like three three shots at the end zone, threw two of them out of the back. But yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I wanted to touch on the. Uh, Alabama, Michigan, going into overtime. Michigan dominated that first drive that they had. Like, I think it was three plays from the 25, and they were in the end zone. Yeah, it ended in like an 18-yard rush. Yeah. And then Alabama comes out and immediately struggles. Like, you're not – as an LSU fan, I am not used to seeing Bama struggle like that, especially in those those clutch moments. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was expecting, oh, you know, like – Quick pass, maybe a run, handoff, and then Jalen Miller to scramble it in for like ten yards. That's exactly what I was seeing in my head. That's what I was expecting to happen. Not even close. They struggle to get the first first down. Once they do, they have three shots at the end zone, fourth and goal from the five, and Saban calls a QB draw. Yeah, I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> also, and with a bad snap too. Yeah, I mean, they struggled with the snap all game. Like, watching – I mean, I only watched the second half, and there was, like, three bad snaps to begin the second half. And I was just like, if this game comes down to it, either Bama's going to have another clutch win like they did against Auburn this year, 
or they're going to snap the ball on the ground and lose the game six yards in the backfield. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two sides of Bama. Pretty similar to the two sides of LSU, historically. Yeah. Um, but I hated to see all the Florida State players tweeting about how, after the Bama loss that they should have been in instead of them after you just saw one of the most competitive games of all time. Mm-hmm. After you got beat by 60 points. Yeah, you couldn't even put up three, four points. You couldn't score a touchdown against Georgia. I don't know, maybe not have 17 players opt out of a pretty important bowl game. Yeah. Quit complaining. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, another really good bowl game. I only watched the first half. Fell asleep. Highly upset that I fell asleep because it turned out to be a really good game, which it already was. 21-21 at halftime. Texas and Washington were battling. I don't know how much of the game you caught. I watched the whole thing. I mean, whereas the Bama-Michigan game was very... Uh, Methodical. Yeah. Very like very drawn out. Defense oriented, very like field position. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very much field position oriented game in the second half at least. Um Washington and Texas came out guns blazing. Which you know, I expected. I think Texas That's had a three and out at the beginning of the game. Washington scored in three plays. Texas scored in five plays. And you were like, Okay, we're we're in for one. And I was I was honestly expecting like sixty three fifty three at the end of the game. Like I mean, they were Yeah, they, they, they set the line at I believe it was sixty two and a half points. Still went over, which yeah. was a insanely high over to begin with, and still managed yeah to hit. I mean, you both of those teams were known for having electric offenses and honestly I I really thought Texas was gonna win the game because Texas's defensive linemen were eating in the third quarter which they've been doing all season which was you know when I was thinking about who's going to win this game when I was placing my bet which did not hit ignore it (laughs) (laughs) I thought you know Texas and Washington have pretty like as far as you know level of success goes pretty similar offenses maybe Washington has a slight edge on them because of that one hiccup Texas had but then when I look at the defenses I gave Texas's defense so much credit. Washington kind of, you know, Pac-12 playing all these other Pac-12 teams where, like, your defense you're, optional. Your dad famously says Pac-12 defense optional. I just didn't see them ha- gonna being able to have as much success as they they did coming into this game. Yeah, I mean, the I I, I honestly don't even remember many. Washington defenders making big plays, but they rushed the quarterback very well, got Gwen Ewers in some pickles, and he happened to throw the ball out of bounds a ton. Also, their run defense, very, very solid. But, uh, I mean, it was kind of a weird game where, like, it kind of slowed down in the third quarter, which, I mean, most games do, but... Kind of lost interest in the third. Started watching again in the fourth when Texas started making their comeback. End of the game. Had three, four shots at the end zone to win the game for Texas. All in all, I I think we have the two best teams in the nation playing for the national championship this year. Yeah. And it's the uh, the first SEC-less national championship since 2015. 
Florida State and nope. Florida State and Ohio State? I think so. <coughs> that sounds right. Jameis Winston. I think Ohio State won that year, but I don't remember who they played. Regardless, while he <laughs> gets this information. Um looking forward to Washington versus Michigan national championship. Uh it'll be in on Monday. I don't know what to expect. You have one of, if not the best defense in college football going up against one of, if not the best offenses in college football. Not the best. LSU had the best. Let's put that out there. Right on in uh, cement. Cement. Uh, Washington had the second best offense in college football. It'll be a, a tough game for either team to win, I think. I think Michigan's got their work cut out for them defensively, and I think Washington's got their, got their work cut out for them offensively. I think that whichever of the two teams' lesser sides of the ball have a better game, I think that team's going to win it. Like So Michigan's defense versus – I mean, Michigan's offense versus Washington's defense. And it's really tough because – you saw Michigan's offense go against a really good defense and have somewhat of success. You, I mean, you saw J.J. McCarthy uh, barefooted on the field, meditating by the goalpost. Weird. <coughs> I don't know. But it worked. Yeah, I mean. So what are you expecting to see out of this national championship game? So the answer to our riddle. Okay, yeah, yeah. We had it right. It was Jameis Winston versus Mariota is what I thought. But Mariota won that game. So it was Oregon versus Ohio State. But for the preview to this Oregon game... Oregon versus me, FSU. No. You said Jameis Winston. That was a semifinal. Semifinal, game. okay. Ohio State won that year. I remember that. Who was the quarterback? JT Barrett? I don't know, but they beat Mama 42-35 in the semis. But, uh, yeah, for national championship game... um. Can Michigan's DBs hold hold their own against Washington speedsters? I mean, I didn't even see many times where Romo Dunze's name was called last night, and they still scored a ton of points. And so uh, it's not just one guy out of Washington, which I thought that it was just one guy all year. Whereas, I mean, yeah, that's the key for that side of the ball. And then, of course... Can Michigan's offense keep clicking? Can they keep running the ball? Honestly, I think Blake Corum might be the only uh, running back that ha- will have any relevancy in the NFL this year, like in this draft class. And so I saw I I I thought great things out of him in the game against Bama, but we did see Washington's defense step up like crazy against Texas. Also have great. Texas also has a great O-line, just like Michigan does. And Washington held their own. I mean, I I don't know if I can even predict, predict this game. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think I, I'll end up giving it to Michigan, though, in a very close game. It hurts me to give it to the Pac-12, but I, if I had to choose, I'd probably go to Washington after what I saw last night. I mean, either way, I'm happy. You know, it's a very different national championship than what we're used to seeing. And so, like, you know, I, usually I'm, like, definitely one-sided in the national championship where I don't want 
a rival SEC team to win this, which it usually is, Bama or Georgia. But at this point, it's kind of just like, I'd like to see either t- either team win this. Yeah. I mean, normally I'm rooting for the SEC team to make LSU look a little bit better. Yeah. But last night I found myself rooting for Michigan a whole lot during that game. I wasn't because I wanted my bet to hit. But <laughs> I mean, after, after Bama had to like, Going this crazy game-winning drive against Auburn, and Jalen Milrow started screaming about how he deserves the Heisman because he of it. He didn't. It's against Auburn, like yeah. LSU. You should have won that game by forty. Of yeah. yeah, and and so I, that's when I lost a little bit of respect for Bama this year. And so, and Michigan felt like the underdog in the game because it's Bama. Right. Yeah. They. I mean, going into it, when it was announced that Bama was going to be the fourth team in the college football playoffs. It showed, like, the camera of the Michigan players watching the selection party. They were mad. They were not happy. <laughs> it went quiet in that room when Bama came on Cause the Because they thought they were getting Florida State, whose injury-riddled quarterback room, and instead you got one of the toughest opponents opponents in Alabama. So yeah. But, I mean, you know, hats off to the Wolverines. Hats off to Harbaugh. Not giving hats off to McCarthy because he's weird. <laughs> But I do think Michigan will go on to win the national championship this year. Score prediction. Ooh. 31-23. I'm kind of one up in you, but I was thinking 35-28 Washington. It's a good score. More likely than mine. If, if Washington wins, it's going to be a, a track meet. Yeah, I mean... With you know how these teams have played so far this season, no clue what's going to happen. It could be a sixty-point game. Yeah, it could be a ten-point game. Also, after a crazy semifinal like that, out of both teams, it's hard to be like, yeah, they'll they'll do it again, <laughs> right? <laughs> Whereas last year we said that, and Georgia just owned DCU. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is true, um, especially with. Only getting a week of rest. I think, personally, give them two weeks, three weeks. Make it a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, wh- who does it hurt? Yeah, right. Like, what else is going on? I mean, you, I mean, you got downtime in the NFL because playoffs don't start for another two weeks. And you're getting, like, a, a crap. You're cutting down the injury chance. Exactly. Because of you're giving the players more rest, and yeah. that's – what all these players are worried about is, well, if I get injured in this game, what happens to my NFL stock? Exactly. Careers can be ended. But, you know, next year it'll be different. More teams. Could shake things up a lot. Could make things very interesting. That thing's going to last forever. We're going to be talking about the college football playoff for like six weeks. Hell, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on from the college, we're going to take a step up. Talk about our boys in black and gold. Who got the win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to tie the record, but not the division, because Tampa Bay has more NFC wins than them. Stupid. Yeah. (laughs) But do I think either team deserves a spot in the playoffs? No. There's a chance that both teams get a spot in the playoffs. Got to root for the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But yeah, a uh, little short recap of the game because it was pretty uneventful. Beside, like, first half, Saints explosion. You know, offense was clicking. Defense was amazing. It looked like what we expected to see all season. And then the second half came. And we just looked kind of passionless. Like, we scored two touchdowns in the first half. And don't see the end zone again for the rest of the game. Two field goals. Defense, you know, started off the second half pretty good. And, you know, again, allowing zero points through three quarters. Um, but then in the fourth quarter, it kind of just felt like the Saints were playing not to lose, which can definitely end up in you losing a game. Um, and it, if the game would have went one more quarter, they probably would have because Buccaneers scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was kind of meaningless at that point. It was pretty late in the fourth quarter when they tried to go on their little run. But still, regardless, like with playoffs coming up and you have a chance to get in, you want to show people that you deserve to be there, that you belong there, even though you don't. Yeah. You've got to make a case for yourself. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about the game? Um, my You're just like me. We didn't watch it, so. Yeah. I mean, my biggest takeaway is the craziest stat that I've seen today is yesterday was, nope, that's not yesterday. Sunday was Elante Taylor's first career pick which is crazy on how great he's been playing all season. So amazing. He just apparently he just never came down with it. I mean I've seen him break up plenty of passes. I thought I remember him seeing catch a few but I was led astray. But yeah I mean kind of there's something to say about holding a team, whether it's an 8-8 eight and eight team or not, to scoreless through three quarters. Um, kind of sucks that it kind of gave up at the end. But also an okay day from the Saints offense. I mean, yeah, you only scored two touchdowns. You had over 100 yards in rushes. You had almost 200 yards in passing. Jawan Johnson had a great game. A great game. Excellent catch. Jawan Johnson was our leading receiver with eight catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, and we also got to see a couple screen passes. Which we haven't seen in probably three years. Which <laughs> led the Saints to the success that they were. But, I mean, it is what it is, if we're being honest. I mean, I kind of give, I've given up on the Saints like three weeks ago. Yeah. I'm ready for a coaching change. I mean, I'm sure Dennis Allen will be back. It's what all the rumors are, but hopefully we get somebody else calling plays. Yeah, at the very least, we don't need Pete Carmichael. Yeah, I mean, get, get rid of Pete Carmichael. I hate the people that keep talking about Derek Carr and how much he sucks, but I mean, we knew that he's the top 15 quarterback, and that's about it. Yeah, he's not not a top five quarterback, not a top 10 quarterback. He's right in the middle. He's he's going to do as good as the people around him. And we've had a couple injuries on the offensive line. We've had a couple injuries at the receiver. Uh, Alvin Kamara was suspended at the beginning of the year. And also, with a quarterback like that, it all depends on the play calling, and we've seen some pretty poor play calling. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like backyard football at this point. When you watch these plays try and develop, they just never do because it's not smart play calling. Like, you're giving – receivers one level two level routes yeah and 
zone defenses are just eating it up where Derek Carr has to spend three, four seconds in the pocket waiting for someone to get open and ends up getting sacked or throwing it away or throwing in the ever-almighty check down. Yeah, I mean, one of the touchdowns, Taysom Hill, you had two seam routes right next to each other and just hoped they rubbed, and they did. And that's how Taysom got open. It's because him and Jawan Johnson were running right next to each other, and, they, and their defender just ran into each other. And But, like, watching the highlight, they showed a different camera angle of, like, from the end zone, there's not a single person within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. So what happens if that rub doesn't happen? Do we just take a sack? Do we throw it away? Exactly. Play calling's got to be better. Um, hopefully next season it will. But, you know, regardless, Saints have a shot at making the playoffs, which is always a good thing, you know. Granted, it doesn't like it doesn't help your draft stock, but... Give these guys one more check. Yeah, you know, it, it gives morale to your players. Um, gives them a, a better outlook on going into the next season, saying like, hey, you know, we made the playoffs and we were only this good. Imagine when we get better, what we can do, right? Oh, my score update. Pels just finished the first quarter. They are up 32-18. to 18. Oh, yeah, I see it. On the <laughs> nets. We'll get there. And uh, just a few. Um, so, going forward, Saints have two, count them two, routes to the playoffs. Uh, the first one, and the easier one being, um, you know, they beat the Falcons next week. Um, but also the Buccaneers have to lose to the Panthers, which is a task. Boy, is it a task. <laughs> Panthers are pretty bad potential back-to-back number one picks in the draft. No, they traded away. Can't say. Correct. Can't say <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I expected Bryce Young to be bad, but not this bad. I mean, you also hired a head coach that got fired at the end of last season. Yeah, just some questionable moves. Yeah. I've, they hired. They brought in a bunch of receivers that were all old. Yeah. Adam Thielen's their number one target. He's There's a reason he's not a Viking anymore. I mean, he was great. He yeah, was amazing for as fantasy Viking. purposes. He was excellent, and he kicked my ass twice. But man, was he the only person on that roster? Yeah, um, bringing Miles Sanders, who just had an excellent year, and then he yeah, was I'm upset about hot it. garbage. I'm upset year. about it. He might have gotten like 15 total fantasy points. Yeah, I don't talk about it. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's crazy to think that in how with how poor our division has been all year. That the Saints have to hope that the two and fourteen Carolina Panthers beat the Bucks yeah. to make the playoffs. I mean, we we talked about it at the start of the year, like it was, it was play, it was the doors wide open. You go and win ten games, you're guaranteed a playoff spot. Absolutely, and you couldn't do it. Was it on the coaches? I believe so. I, yeah. I was would, it on I the would. players? I also kind of believe so. <laughs> It's a mix of both. I'd say probably like 70-30. 70 on the coaches, 30 on the players. Yeah, I mean, because the I beginning mean, of the year, definitely buy-in problem. Like, Michael Thomas kept tweeting about the game. No, I don't care if you're upset. You cannot tweet about the game. But, and there was a couple of things that, like, people were just, here we go, let's go, whatever. Yeah, I mean, and you can't come in, like, you can't have a brand-new quarterback come into a brand-new offense 
and expect them to mesh immediately, right? Like, give them a few games. And they did. They definitely got better after a few games because they looked very poor to start the season offensively. Defense, thank God for our defense being outstanding. But, you know, second half of the season, offense looked a lot better. You know, like I predicted. But it just, I think it hit a point to where it was good enough or somewhat good enough. And they're like, all right, yeah, that's good. We'll coast on that level and hope our defense yeah can keep playing the way they do I don't understand I've there's a reason I've given up I don't give up very often but I mean our literally our mic check for this podcast is just saying Pete, Pete Carmichael <laughs> like I am so sick of seeing this man call plays I cannot wait for some kind of coaching move yeah hopefully it comes um, but yeah back to Saints road to the playoffs. So, to win the division, beat the Falcons, Bucks lose to the Panthers. Is it impossible? No. Is it likely? Not even close. Alternate road to the playoffs. Say the Saints beat the Falcons, but the Bucks win. <clears throat> Do not banish all hope, for we still have a chance if and only if. They just beat the Eagles. <laughs> They just beat the Eagles. The Cardinals win. We need the Seahawks and the Packers to lose. I believe the Cardinals playing the Seahawks. Cardinals. And Chicago is Cardinals to play the Seahawks. We need the Cardinals and the Bears to win. Bears play the Packers in a divisional game. Kind of meaningless. It's kind of the only game they get up for, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the Packers, like if they'll lose completely out of the, out of the playoffs if they lose. Yeah, I think so. Let's look. I mean, it would make sense. But, yeah. So, anyway, if you're a Saints fan and you want to see them go to the playoffs, next weekend you are a Cardinals fan and also a Bears fan. So. Oh, Lord. That is not a playoff picture. Give me a playoff picture. But the Packers are also 8-8. Packers and Seahawks both eight and eight. For oh yeah, so we're all battling for the last wild card spot. But you, but even though the Seahawks are one and four in their division, they're six and five on the in the conference, whereas the Saints are five and six in the conference. So that's why you need the Seahawks to lose, and that's why you need Green Bay to lose because they also are six and five in the conference. Interesting. Okay, so yeah. I think that about does it for our NFL segment. I mean, we'll get to playoffs when they get here. Don't want to – I mean, we'll definitely keep you entertained. We have Garrett who's a Lions fan, who will be – Hot. He'll be on something after a very very questionable ending to that – Game last week, Cowboys-Lions. He wasn't very happy. But, moving on. We have off the dome in the blender. How are our Pels looking? Well, they're on commercial right now. They are on commercial right now. But, uh, we had game home against the Grizzlies. (laughs) 
to start the week off. Had a great lead. Spoiled it again. Mm-hmm. Then you went to the Jazz. Boy, was it great to have a, a signature win against the Jazz for the first time all year. Zion had a great game. Um, then you went, came back home to Houston. Pelican kryptonite. Might as well call him that. <laughs> Blew another. Alperin Sengun. No, we don't talk about it. The Pelican's kryptonite. No. Dropped 36 points. What? No. This is a lie. <laughs> it's not a lie. This is a lie. Me and Bryce were talking about it as it was happening. Okay. But, yeah, you you, you blow another huge lead. Um, nope, I, I'm, I'm wrong in my timeline. Rockets did it first, then the Grizzlies did it. Y'all were watching the Rockets game during the pod last week, right? I think so. No, we were watching the Grizzlies during the pod last week. I watched the Rockets at work. Okay. Yeah, so you go to overtime against the Grizzlies, ultimately lose in a close, a one-point game. The Rockets, you lost by two. Then the Jazz came to us. I lied. The Jazz came to us. He's Four a liar. Game game. Clip it. Five-game five homestand. The uh, Jazz came to us. We smacked that behind. And then the, the Lakers also came to us. And we did it again. Unfortunately, I had to watch the Lakers broadcast. And all they could talk about was how Jose Alvarado doesn't score but impacts the game. Which we, us as New Orleans fans, know very well. Yeah, I mean, we know this. He Tell had, us something new. Yeah. He Tell had, us how bad your Lakers are. <laughs> He had four steals, two blocks, two Grand Theft Alvarados on LeBron James himself. Um, also in the first half, CJ could not miss. That's him, though. Like That's what he does all, <laughs> all year. He's been extremely hot in the first half and then bricks. Yes. Um, currently, we're looking at some great defense. I've seen a block out of Jordan Hawkins and just one right now with the rim from Zion. So uh, we're looking good. I mean, everybody's healthy. We've had Zion miss one game this season due to injury. We've had Brandon Ingram miss two games this season due to injury. That is career stats for them. <laughs> right, yeah. We I couldn't have drawn it up any better. Everybody complains that Zion's sitting out back-to-backs. Who freaking cares? He's not hurt. He's not missing extended time. Right. Yeah. He's missing a game every three weeks. Mm-hmm. You take it. And then he had that little stint where he was ill or not feeling well, where he, he still played, but not like – like there were significant minutes, but it wasn't the minutes we were used to seeing him play, which fine, great. He's healthy. Building character. Yeah. Playing through, not feeling great. Something you have not seen out of him this out of him in this past five years. Um, but, I mean, he's in great shape. He's – Against the Lakers, he was making Anthony Davis pay. Every time Anthony Davis touched a ball, as you'd expect, was getting booed in the blender. And every time Zion drove to the basket, the blender erupted because it was always on Anthony Davis. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've said it a few times, maybe not on record on the pod, but watching Zion play basketball is like watching somebody defy physics. Oh, he dude. runs at the rim so damn fast, so damn hard, 
that when he goes up for a layup, I don't know how it doesn't hit the backboard and go back to half court. <laughs> I mean, and there's no reason that a guy built like that should be able to probably touch the top of the backboard, being honest. It's, it's just crazy. It's And if he's hitting a floater, he's levitating. Like, <laughs> he's up there for three seconds. And then just his ability to, like, to stay in the play. Like, all right, you, I mean, we've all seen it. He goes up to the rim, heavily contested, throws it up anyway. Either it magically goes in or it magically ends up back in his hands. Oh, yeah. We just saw it. And then the... Uh, my favorite thing is when it magically goes in and it's a foul. You just like you blow the whistle. You're like, oh, he just threw that. Like he he didn't actually try, and it goes in, and you're like, what? But I mean, you've seen some great defense out of every Pelican uh, that's played in these last in this four game homestand. Um, nothing really bad to say, even though you've you came away with two losses. It's the NBA. I mean, everyone I, wins and loses. I think I can chalk our two losses up to free throws at this point. Not shooting free throws great this year, and in some games, it's it's hurting us pretty badly. Speaking of free throws, the Lakers game, Zion was electric from the free throw line. <laughs> oh wow! I'm pretty sure he <laughs> he's went. he's lost me three bets so far this year just because he missed free throws. <laughs> Let me double check his free throw stats. But good grief. Was he making some free throws? Yeah, 10 for 12 from the free throw line. Career numbers. Greatest thing of all time. 26 points. And you, yeah, I mean, you had six players in double figures. Larry Nance off the bench, double-double. Hell yes, Against Larry. the Lakers. You, we haven't seen that out of him. I mean, we know that he's a great on-ball defender. and Especially for his size. Like and he's will definitely, do what he has to do. He's definitely an undersized center who still can play defense like that. And... I'm very thankful he's on the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a large Najee Marshall, to put it put it simply. <laughs> he can hit the corner three when he has to, absolutely. He can start the offense. He can be the guy that takes the ball out of the court if you have to. I mean, there's nothing that Larry Nance cannot do good. There's also nothing he does exceptionally. But, I mean, he's a backup big. What do you... What more can you ask from him? He just put up a double-double against the Lakers. Yeah, their backup big is Christian Wood, but still. Christian Wood's a better backup big than most. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. <clears throat> uh, but, yeah, quick little score update. Five and a half minutes left till halftime. Pelicans are up 49-32. and Double-digit lead. I hope if they can hold on to it going into halftime, probably means they'll end up losing the game, but... Don't say that again. <laughs> <coughs> no, Pelicans are looking really good. Um, hopefully they can hold on to this lead against the Nets. I don't, I don't think the Nets have been very good this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know they've stopped a couple big like runs out of teams, like people going on like six-game win streaks. The Nets have stopped a lot of those. Uh, they're one of those teams. Yeah, and... Also, they ruined the debut of the Phoenix Big Three. They came out with a win. I do remember that game. But I don't think, yeah, I think they're about even on the year. They're not doing anything crazy. Let's see. They're 15 18, probably just right outside the playoffs as of right now. Nope. It's the East. They're the nine seed. 
but yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing exceptional coming out of Brooklyn, but there's nothing wrong. Coming yeah, I mean, out of it's Brooklyn. it's not a team to just like pass over. Like if the Pelicans beat them by a good bit, it's still an accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, we we saw the trades last year. It's not like the Pelicans are playing the Pistons right now. Yeah, I mean, last year they traded away Kyrie Irving for three great role players. One Dorian Finney-Smith, you know I love me some Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah, um, and Spencer Dinwiddie, mm-hmm. and then they traded Kevin Durant to the Suns for Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, which also great role players. I mean, this is the most role player driven team in the NBA right now. You love to see that they're getting wins. Nick Claxton's a great young big, and so I mean, there's nothing wrong with what Brooklyn's doing. Yeah, they don't have a megastar, but they they. They're I mean, definitely in the playoff conversation. With the Pelicans the right have now. proven that you don't need a mega star to succeed. I mean, like we did it without Zion. Yeah, but they don't. They don't even have an all star. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, we've got two. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that'll about wrap things up. Pelicans now have a twenty-two point lead with four minutes left. Go ahead, watch the game uh, if you can. That is, I won't be giving away my. Secret Sauce streaming service. It's quadruple S for you. Um, but yeah. On to your sure. favorite segment. Ooh, I almost forgot. Fantasy football I don't talk about is over. No, we're not. It wasn't a good look. Um, you know, shout out to y'all. Securing third place. In the matchup that nobody cared about, but I want it. Let me tell you, <laughs> I the, want it. The big money league. Shout out to y'all. Um, as some of you know, me and Redfish were in the championship in our in-house dynasty league, and I got let down by my receivers. Oh, I forgot you lost. I thought you won. No, I lost. By 65 points. Now we're going to have to hear it from Redfish on how he fleeced me in trades, which he did. I tried to get you to stop making trades. I did that before you tried to get me to stop making trades. I did that the second the season <clears> ended. I was like, I'm tired of looking at CD Lamb. Give me some young people. And that was a terrible idea. But yeah, you know, week started and I didn't have many players play. He had a few, like CD Lamb and Alan Ra both combined for 60. Or 70 points. Yeah. Wild. I had Brees Hall put up 30. Um, and that was like the only player I've had play early. And then Sunday came. And my receivers, who have been so good to me all season, just let me down. All of them who are averaging like 18, 20 points or close to it did not get anywhere near that. Um, Quick little rundown. Michael Pittman, who's been really reliable all season, put up a season low nine points. Devonta Smith put up six points. Jordan Addison put up five points. Jamar Chase put up seven points. I did all I could. Also, there's something to say. You had the worst record last year. I, I did. I went from last to second. Second. And if you count just the regular season, you went from last to first. No, he, he had a game. He, had, oh. yeah. he beat, the, beat me in head-to-head. But, I mean, like, there's nothing much much more that you can say. Oh, no, and I'll have the first pick. I have none. 
I will never have a single pick, and I will continue to keep losing. Yeah. Um. So the way our dynasty works, I think it's we do four rounds. Yes, four rounds so rookie. Yeah. You um and like draft picks are obviously tradable. You could trade them for players or future draft picks, whatever. Um. But you basically have to drop however many players that you have draft picks the following season. I'll never have to drop a player, <laughs> ever. Reese is in it for life. Yeah. I have to buy in for the next three years. Um, and I ended up getting uh, Clown Car's first-round draft pick going into this year. And he ended up placing last, so I will be getting the first-round pick after finishing in second place. And needing a receiver. Needing a receiver? Oh, you got a nice little young core, but I mean... Brees Hall, Najee Harris. I mean, Najee Harris. Unless There's he goes not a running back, so... Unless he goes to it. Right. Yeah. There's not a running back. You don't need a quarterback. Nobody needs a quarterback. I have five of them on the roster. Nobody wants them. I'll probably draft a quarterback later. The I have five of them on the roster. Nobody wants them. Nobody. I have Lamar, T-Law, Brock Purdy, Will Levis. Nobody wants them. We'll talk about a trade off air. Hey. Um, I also need a wide receiver. I'll take the number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, anything else you'd like to add to wrap things up? Mm. Do I have anything? No, I mean, we're also creating some more content with the No Network. Yep. Uh, Definitely go check out that video from the No. Eye um, on the Tigers. Yep, Eye on the Tigers. Myself and Redfish uh, put up, I think it was about a 12-minute video of potential offensive coordinators for the LSU Tigers next season. Um, we covered a good bit of good bit of names. Um, I'm sure there's a wild card that's going to enter the rumor mill. This is true. It usually happens. Yeah. Any, any kind of big coaching decision usually see something shaking up close to the end. But, yeah, go check it out. Um, and, then you know, once again, shout out to the no, spelled correctly, K-N-E-A-U-X, the only way to spell it. This has been your Off the Dome Sports Podcast. One more time, I am Mustang. I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will see you next week. <laughs>